two locks and a cox. From Denham's Radio X. Welcome once again to the second episode of Two Locks and a Cox with myself, Chris Bentley. I'm joined once again with our regular guest, Sarah Cox, MBE, the Dame of the Realm, and Ian Dunstan, the voice of people's rugby. On the field this week, the Rugby World Cup, the Women's AP Final, the Pacific Four and the Southern Hemisphere Tests. Off the field, the AP15 rebrand, Coxie, the most capped female referee of all time. PWR signings, Anthony Watson central contract and in the bin, the new Premiership format. Anyway, should we get down to it, team? Let's do it. Two locks and a cox. From Devon's Radio X. Ian's, Ian's got a grump on. Can we just, uh, can we just talk about this? I've got a grump this? on. It's just, I've just found out that I breathe funny. <laughs> you, you nasal breathe into the microphone well, and it I didn't upsets know that everyone. Until today. Well, yeah, now we... you know, and you're now <laughs> and refusing to get me. anywhere near the microphone, aren't you? Picking on people's not big or clever. No, we're not like Chris. But it's really good fun. <laughs> yeah, we're not picking on you. All right, it's fine. We're just we're just move stating on. the fact. We had, move on. The, the, to be honest, I've, we did the first podcast and we were a little bit nervous. And my dad rang me up and said, "Chris, I downloaded it three thousand times, which is which is how we did so well." But um, he did say that the one issue he had was that all he could hear was you breathing. No, can I just say, those 3,000 downloads, half of those are my mother as well. Well, they can't half be your mother, plus it was 3,582. Oh, OK. Oh, God, he's nausing already. Right, okay. guys, shall we get down to it on the field? Yes. On the field. Brought Amazing. to you by Field Tech. Um, um, right, on the field, Rugby World Cup draw. I think we have to look at the Rugby World Cup. It's, it's going to be the biggest thing in rugby union, certainly in the next few months. And the the ludicrous nature of the draw, which sees the top four teams on one side of the pool and England on the other. Haven't they done well? Are they like that? Borthwick's like, yes, I finally got something right. Oh, well, maybe he's done more than just get that little bit right. <laughs> I was going to say, flipping heck. You've gone in strong this morning, haven't well, you? Well, why had, not? You're already had... bullying me, so I'm just going to be against the world today. Listen, it's not bullying, it's stating a fact. Okay, it's fine. Character building. Character building. Oh, yes, thank you, know, you yeah, Brad the on, Rugby God. Yeah, Brad the Rugby God is with us as well, and Brad he's going to make the sure. Bully. Brad the bully. Brad the bullying Rugby God. The malevolent Rugby God. Yes. I, I don't think Steve Borthwick has got any control over the draw that he gets. So I don't really? think you can make a comment of he's no, done okay. something right. It was just a, a throwaway comment. Then <laughs> it was poor. All right. Does it, does it diminish the World Cup slightly that the top four teams, only two of them are going to make it to the semi finals? No. No. I think not it's at all. great. Yeah, I think I think the draw is the draw. That's that's just the way it is. Sometimes you get the luck of it, sometimes you don't. And I think England may, you could say, have got the luck of it. And OK, well, play what's in front of you. And at the end of the day, they're going to prepare exactly the same as if they got a different pool. So it just, it is what it is. We just crack on. And, and I think Borthwick and the way that he's setting the team up at the moment, looking at when they're in training camps and what have you, he's trying to prepare for the best and he's trying to prepare for, for getting into those knockout stages. Will they train exactly the same? Because I remember a team a few years ago who trained to win one game, which they managed to, which oh, we're going to oh, talk about Eddie later. Jones, yeah. In Brighton. Uh, oh, no, Japan. Oh, Japan. Of course, yeah. Eddie Jones with trained on... Japan to beat South Africa. That was it. That was the only game that they really wanted to win and they won it and it was momental. Momental. Oh, wow, that's Whoa. a brilliant word. I it don't is. know if that is a word. Uh, it, it is now because I said it. It's momental. momental and monumentous put together. I like it. Momental. Yeah, like that's, yeah. I think you need to have a chat with Mo Hunt. She I've likes my to make these types of words up. And she's she's come up with a good one recently. Lasting for only a moment. No, momental. It, it is Brad the Rugby God has just come back and said Lasting it. Lasting only for a brief moment. 
There you so, go. It's so a, that was right, the perfect on. word for that situation. I'll have to work on my temporal bias was my favourite one for the last time, which I've never, ever heard anyone say under the age of 90. And Chris brought it up last time. All right, less about that. So, back to the plot. Anyone that follows the niche uh, tests will see that Japan lost at home to Samoa. Samoa in the draw with Japan, with Argentina, with England. Could there be the mega upset that England don't even make out the pool? Oh, it's happened before. I mean... It could happen to anyone, couldn't it? Um, but... I think England are fairly safe in the pool that they're in. OK, well, look, looking at the England squad, I mean, anybody feeling a little bit sad for um, Guy Mercer? Well, well, it's difficult, isn't Guy, it? that's the dad, isn't it? Played for Leeds. Zach Mercer. Zach Mercer. Oh, See, my uh, goodness. That's my rugby league bias coming through. Oh, I used to look for Leeds so... rhinos. No, but that's Zach your age Mercer. coming through. Oh, easy bones. <laughs> the funny thing was I just heard... Zach Mercer, Mercer in my Mercer. head. I was like, yeah. aha! I so didn't Zach, even know he had a brother. So Zach Mercer, he's playing in Montpellier. He's an absolute megastar. Was. He was playing in Montpellier. Absolute megastar. If you watch, there's a video on YouTube where he plays his last... He's been there for two years. The whole stadium gives him a stand innovation. So he's like, the nuts. And then he goes, well, I'm coming back to make it into the World Cup. Signs for Gloucester, who were village at the best of times. Um, that's a bit that? harsh on Gloucester, isn't it? Well, they're, they're perennial underachievers, aren't they? Fact. Thank you. And... Um, and, and they're just at the road for us. It's like local derby. We try and add a bit of attention to it. But comes back, goes in the England squad. First cut from the England squad, Zach Mercer, son of Guy. Any thoughts on that? I love how you pulled yourself out of a very dark hole there. <laughs> you <laughs> don't know the guy. reason why, though, do you? You're not in the inner sanctum of this selection because there's some bizarre ones in there. Who else is bizarre for you? Who else has got back into the England squad under Borthwick? Danny Kerr? Oh, I think Danny Kerr is not... I think he's great. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that's a bizarre one. I'd say that's a good one. Yeah, I'd say that's, that's like... Straight a... back in again, like that, mm. boom. Joe Marler, come back from retirement. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I'm... He's a very good scrummager. He is. Yeah. Anything else? <laughs> no, I... I Dan Cole, I mean, he's as old as time himself. He's But he's had an Indian summer. He's come back like nobody's time. But for tight heads, he's been consist Mr. Consistency, doing a good job. You can't really vote against him, and he's, he's, he's sort of your archetypal English prop. And as, as we're from the West Country, we've only got one extra chief in the whole squad now. Yeah, I, the, from the Bolters, I was upset because everyone started talking up your boy Theo Dan from Saracens, and I thought Frosty from Chiefs was doing equally as well, if not better. But he wasn't getting the support in the media. And for me, that was one of the first times I've seen the power of the media talking somebody up to make it into an international squad since I've been on the other side of the fence. I always used to have one eye when it was Chiefs and I was always looking at my teammates getting picked. But now it's like, mate, I feel sorry for Dan Frost. I thought he'd done really well for Chiefs. I think he has. He's done very well. But, and considering as well what happened with the clubs and things. Yeah. And, you know, I've reffed him a few times down at Cornish Pirates and he's always always been a very, very good player and very mobile. So to see him go into Premiership and then across over to, mm. to Exeter Chiefs and bring him back almost towards the, the South West, I think, is a real good signing for them. Oh, good, yeah. Well, I've, I've written a piece for Rugby Inside Line about the Chiefs this year and I think it's a, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly segueing out of the way, but... It's the first time I think we're seeing the Chiefs with a similar attitude of when we blooded the Slade, the Knoll, Dickey, the Hill, the Conlon, all of that lot ten years this, ago. This should help them because their players will have been all through pre-season together. Yeah. 
Whereas we've had the big dropout from the Chiefs of all the players disappearing and Bin Juice jumping in and then having this whole shuffling. Mm. And it will give this younger squad that they've got this year a chance to go. But we're not talking about Chiefs, we're talking about the World Cup. Yeah, all right, sorry. So come on, Chris. We'll, we'll come back. Well, well, look, we've got so much to get through today. So if you're enjoying the Rugby World Cup, I want to throw a plug for myself. Chris at nwclub.co.uk. Find me an email if you want to come to my Rugby World Cup preview, which is taking place at Winslade on the 6th of September. Thank is you. that with Andy Powell? That's with Andy Powell and Kelly Brown, yes. Wow, that- Scott. Scotland and Welsh's finest. I bet they've got some great stories. I bet they have. And you can find out if you come along. Uh, moving on. The women's AP final. Now, Exeter Chiefs played Gloucester at... Um, it was, was it Hartbury the first one where they, where they beat them 58-19? Yeah, that was the couple of weeks before, wasn't A couple it? of weeks before, they played Gloucester, absolutely pumped them, and then they played them again in the final, the most attended club game in the history of club games? I think so, yeah. It was, it was pretty well attended. Mm. Um, I went as well. Um, goodness me, it was a hot day. What what happened? So the Chiefs went two weeks previously, 58-19 winners. Then they play the final, 34-19 loss. Now, Mo Hunt was on fire, and and we should have a quick discussion again. I I love the segues. She didn't get picked for the England high-performance squad, but yet she was absolutely the best player on the pitch in the women's final. Yeah, again, it goes back to selection, doesn't it? And it goes back to what they want at the time and, and how they want it. And she was she was phenomenal. And she's she's playing very well at the moment for, for Gloucester. And I think she's she's found her her niche, if you like, with them and, and they allow her to, to do that. And she's really driving that team forward. Um, I think com- the comparison of the two games, you, you're dealing with league games versus finals. And I, I think if you can rally together, which quite clearly Gloucester did, um, you can pull out performances like they did. And it was a hell of a spectacle of a game, though. It was, but as a Devon boy, born and bred, strong in the arm and thick in the head, I think it was a little bit unfair that it was in Gloucester. Yeah, but I, how did I, that happen? I, it, it was a, it was a, a stadium that was picked way, way, way before the results came out. It didn't, you know, the, the oh, league hadn't even started. Had it in the European final. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's just one of those things. You you have to pick a venue, and you don't know who's going to get there. And this time it was it was Gloucester. You know, last time it wasn't, and it was at Gloucester last time. So I think the the difference being is that we've actually got a very good venue there. It, regardless of who plays there, the importance was that we can get people in that stadium. We can get near to to fillings and putting bums on seats and. Where better to, to situate it than, than one of the hubs of, of the southwest? Somewhere like, without an artificial pitch. Uh, that's the way it's going at the moment. Ooh. Yeah, I'm not a fan of artificial pitches. Yeah, but you two are like dinosaurs of rugby. You'd we rather said this before. You'd yeah. rather no, you'd you rather three record, inches Cox. of mud. Yeah. I got told for talking over you. Change the record. Yeah, artificial you... pitches are no good. They're no good. I, well, we'll I, wait and see. We play on them. Oh, I played on them. He plays on them. Yeah. You don't. I um, referee the, on the, them. The burns are horrible. I've just come back from Pack Four, and we were on an artificial pitch. Pack Four's coming up. Do you know what? Let's should we go to Pack? Well, no. I want to have. I want to stick with the Chiefs women. Was it the fact that it was the final? Was it Gloucester were good? Gloucester were very good. They were very, very good. good. Very well organised. Very well drilled. And they played some very good rugby. And do you think they did the whole Saracens in the Premier Premiership thing, where they sort of threw that game previously? They're... Yeah, exactly that. You learn more from a loss. So. They, 60 point turnaround but they, they changed their tactics they saw what was already there they went boom we know what's going to happen it's hard to retrain your squad with different tactics that time so the Chiefs went out with the same game plan it worked for us last time let's do the same again all of a sudden one superstar for Gloucester steps up ruins it that AP 15's final I think regardless of whatever conversation you want to have about pitches around venues so on and so forth I think it was an unbelievable uh, game for a starter 
um, the unbelievable crowd and just the whole vibe and venue and everything around that was was brilliant. We just got to keep that ball rolling and that momentum going. Yeah, well, I've, I've got to agree. And um, I've I've been one of the, the biggest critics and one of the, the least ad, ad, staunch advocates of the women's game. But I, I, I said last episode, I'm saying this one, I'm, I'm winning round, I'm paying more attention to it. Uh, although one thing I have missed is the pack four. The Pacific Four and Coxie, you've been refereeing it. You flew back business class um, just to be here in time <laughs> for this episode. Get Gets in, in the plane and turns left. Mate, genuinely, Coxie <laughs> said anyone that turns right is a peasant. I was like, wow. But that did not say you did. that. That's what you said. Not you said that say everybody that. does. So, Coxie, tell us about your Pack Four experience. The only thing I know is that the USA, who are not very good at the elite level, um, they almost beat the Black Ferns, which is the the, the current world champions. They were winning yep. at half time. I want to know exactly what happened there because I'm a big fan of some of the Americans and I feel there's a few good ones, mainly the ones that play for Exeter Chiefs, where all the rest of them aren't quite good enough. Yeah, so part four, um, we've just been away at Canada um, in Ottawa and we have effectively played a round robin, if you like, of four different teams. Um, Australia were in there, New Zealand were in there, USA and Canada as well. Um, and they all played, uh, I think, well, m- majority played each other, um, but it's also been put in other countries as well. So this effectively um, puts you into qualification for the WXV, which is the new competition that has come out. Um, But yes, you're right. The USA were beating New Zealand um, in that second weekend of games. And yeah, quite frankly, they they put themselves and pulled themselves together and and played some very good rugby. Uh, Black fans came back in the second half. Um, As to what conversations they had at halftime, that would have been interesting in that changing room. But again, it's, it's a good... It's a good way to market women's rugby because all of a sudden you've got number one um, being being I, I guess rumbled by by the USA and it was uh, yeah it was a good experience. Yeah, well I, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump out really quickly. Halftime team talks as referees teams. Do you have team talks amongst one another, yeah. or would you just like chill out? No, no, no. We have a bit of both. How does well, that work then? So it depends on what referee. Um, but I I go in. I'll have minute 30 seconds just to myself just i'll get get a drink yeah. um wipe the sweat off um and then yeah we'll talk about key moments of the game um it won't be anything so if you if you have made a mistake you won't go back over that you won't look at, at big pieces of foul play if you've had them what you'll do is you'll you'll look at your set piece you'll look at scrums line out to more what's happening with the breakdown what's the space looking like what's that back foot looking like and then you just run over the key points of 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 the game and you say right okay well stick to the game plan let's go into the second half don't change anything and uh, out you go again sometimes you have to change something though you know because i've i've seen some of the the elite games where like the referee their interpretation of the breakdown changes almost at the half yeah you try not to do that because then you get the consistency thing um, come into it and you you want to try and stay stay as consistent as possible but if you're getting a trend and you're getting a team that's doing something or you're doing something that you need to change you have to change it but you can't swing so far that then all the players are confused and they look at you and say well you didn't do this in the first half so now why are you doing it in the second do do your assistant referees jump in as well yeah and your TMO yeah yeah you're all in the changing room and and number four and five sometimes um you knew the have... tmo would tmo's always got an opinion even when it's not needed <laughs> according to you guys yeah <laughs> no um we'll, we'll all have a conversation it's about a team of, of people that need to to make sure you're executing a game plan and just like the teams you'll sit down and say right what was your game plan going in what are we doing are we executing that and if not how how do we change that but again you can't change it so dramatically that everybody looks at you like well that's not 
what was happening in the first half. Cause Surely you, your game plan's always the same, to produce an entertaining legal game of rugby. That That's the fundamentals. That's the fundamentals of it. But you'll, you'll have specific things and you'll do research on teams and you'll, you'll again, just like teams do research on referees, we'll, we'll look at set piece, we'll look at breakdown, what they want to do. You know, we'll have a very good idea. And, and your best example of, of doing research on teams is uh, Wayne Barnes and the way that he pre- prepares for any type of game, including the AP15's game that he did last last season. He prepared exactly the same as what it's he would he's for... he's a barrister a, and he's really clever. He he is a very clever gentleman, um, and yeah, he. But his his mantra is all about preparation. And if you if you okay, don't so prepare, something we we we've got to discuss now. If we're, we're deep diving into referees and what have you, um, how do you feel about the Johnny Sexton situation where he's abusing an official after the game? Can you can you have an can you have an opinion on that, Coxie? I don't because I wasn't there. I yeah. have no idea. I, I only oh, stop it, Jurgen No, Klopp. I only Didn't found out that. about this. I only found out about this on when I was scrolling through mindlessly on my Twitter yeah. and something popped up and I had no idea what had happened, no idea what was going on, and I can only go off what the media have said, which we all know sometimes is not the whole truth. Um, I've, I've had to change my referee question. So a question I ask of referees, yeah. who's the most annoying player you've ever refereed and why is it Dan Bigger? I've now had to change You can be less 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 censured. What was your take on Johnny Sexton saying to um, the referee that he was a something <laughs> disgrace? Well, um, look, it, it, I watched the game and it, it, it wasn't the greatest, um, but you still can't do it. And a core thing that we've got throughout everything is respect for our officials, respect for referees. I don't want to bring in, this isn't football, but that's one thing that rugby has to stay. It's so important, the respect. When you see this giant, great six foot ten lock apologising to sir or mum when they come back on again. Although I know sometimes in the men's game they call you sir, don't they? They call me sir Which you don't mind. No, I don't. You pretty much answer to anything, Coxie. Yeah, I do, yeah, I do. Years of practice. Going back to that respect piece, I don't think it's about respect just for for match officials i think it's respect both directions and we have to respect each other on a rugby pitch and that is one of the fundamentals of our game and if we stray away from that and we accept that certain things happen but do nothing about it the game gets further and further away from us and it gets further and further away from the things that underpin the to whole try and thing correct it again yeah, to, yeah. And, and then by that time it's too far gone so the, the difference is is that we need to nip these things in the bud right and right there and then and very quickly but you know who banned him European I, rugby. I've well, I don't, I don't no know the internet. They are <laughs> genuinely. Rubbish. Oh really? Oh, mate, I, and I, I can speak freely. They're rubbish. EPCR. How on earth are in the? It's, it's like Gilbert with rugby balls. <laughs> Gilbert are horrendous. But they've got the, they've got they've been there forever, and everyone uses Gilbert balls. If you have to deal with you're like, can I have a ball for next week? Like, oh, we'll get you in seven months' time. You're like, yeah, but I need it for a game next week. Oh no, it's seven months. And they are. Ask Tom Hanks. He's always got one. Oh, what? Oh. That's a joke that's lost on me. Cast away. Oh, geez, Wilson, oh, sorry. Oh, my me. God. Right, back to the pack four, Pacific four. Yes. Which was, just in case anyone was concerned, New Zealand, Australia. No, USA. New Zealand, yeah, yeah. Zealand, Australia, USA and Canada. Canada. Yeah. Okay. How did it pan out? Who won? Uh, so New Zealand won the whole thing. Um, and quite rightly so, they were they were very good, very strong. Um, Canada were very strong as well. Um, and they targeted their New Zealand game. And they... 
looked to to what they were going to do in the future as well by the by the looks of things. And it's it's looking very bright. It's looking very bright for women's rugby. Full stop. But they had a record crowd in in Canada, but also looking globally as well. They've they've rivaled some of the things that happened in France, in England, ignoring the Twickenham um, event on a standalone. And so if you're getting that type of momentum in a country that their sport, rugby, just doesn't feature normally, mm-hmm. um, they're getting some really good press, they're getting some really good vibes from it, and the, the stadium was pumping. And even down to the stadium, it was fantastic. It's a, uh, it's not NFL, I think they call it CFL over there, um, which is a variation of NFL. There's an extra Canadian person. Football League. Yeah. We, surprise, surprise. Are they managing to get like this carnival experience like you do from a seven? tour where or a 2020 the first time I've watched cricket and now I actually watched England lose the ashes no so it was it was more it was just I love the well, way you got really sad then you I did me. <laughs> I've never watched cricket before I watched a 2020 Honestly. when Kent uh, Spitfires beat Surrey yeah. and it was just amazing it was such a good no Surrey beat Kent yeah. didn't they and it was you were there you yeah, took me Chris know, oh he's there I thanks Chris so he educated me with that and then I watched the ashes and then I realised that it <laughs> rains ashes I, see, I can't even speak now all breeze right. damn it's really tough being me sometimes you're so scared of that microphone aren't I, you I wake up and smile at the ceiling every day Okay. Pinch myself to be alive. Anyway, so I watched cricket and then I watched England lose the Ashes. Mm. So I really hope my first cricket but season they'd be driven off. I, th- I think what Ian was trying to say was carnival. You get you get in the sort of um, yeah, exactly like they do in America. The where they open the back, so they open the back of the cars out. And they all have their oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's I can't a, think of the term. yeah. No, um, I don't know what the term is, but no, no, it was l- less about that, but it was more about the support around the women's team mm-hmm. and getting people and bums on seats. Kids were in there, families were in there. You've got faces um, from international players that are playing on the seven series. They came over and watched. It's about you know the whole vibe of that game, and it was fantastic. And I think they had about ten and a half thousand people in there and for the stadium that it was it was it was brilliant mm. it was really really good and I think this this goes back to the point of that stadium piece you've got to get the right stadiums so that you can bring the right people in and get the right vibes if you put it in too big a stadium and you don't feel that you lose everything and this was pitched just right the Twickenham game they got 60,000 in there that was just right but there have been times where they put it in Twickenham and there have been a few thousand people and you just get lost and all you can hear is the echo of the players the Barbarians game the day after the Prem final and there's just the lower tier and it seems really flat I it does. I, it does. I, I had it during my career. I played at Edinburgh and we played at Murrayfield and we used to get like 3,000 into Murrayfield and yeah. you shut your eyes and ran out and it was amazing because it all echoed around. Then you open your eyes and realise there was one standing people in. <laughs> yeah, it's not so good. Yeah. It's also not good for the spectacle if you're going to televise it. No, exactly. Um, but this was televised well. It was publicised really, really well. I, what I thought was fantastic was um, the Canadian Rugby Union had a constant counter of people buying tickets so you could see that going up and they'd give you markers and then the, the social media presence that the way that they they marketed these things considering that that they don't have the budget mm. of france and england they did very very well and i thought the hot the whole thing was set up extremely well okay. what time zone are you in currently uh i think at the moment it is about five thirty in the morning no you're wrong you're wrong because when you travel, you always move to the time zone of where you're at, oh, yeah. and you don't live on the time zone of where you should have been because that's just boring. And you stupid. tell my body that I will, t- Coxie's body, sort you sh- sh- yourself out. <laughs> 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 right, uh, Southern Hemisphere test. Um, 
the South Africans absolutely walloped Eddie Jones's Australia and everyone thought that they, they sent their, their A-team across to get ready for New Zealand and New Zealand absolutely walloped South Africa and then Argentina beat Australia, which means Eddie Jones is now the worst coach in the history of rugby union. Uh, anybody got any takes on any of those games? H- having watched both of them, because um, they were early morning for us, yeah, it was just amazing. Uh, <laughs> it was really funny because I think the worst people on social media for supporting rugby clubs are South, South Africa and then Wales, <laughs> between the two of them. And, and I've got many Twitter friends... It's crazy. I've got many friends from both of them, but South Africans really get very emotional, excited about it. And they were beating their chests like Tarzan. And then off they and tripped then Shaz- to New Zealand. Frizzell just ran over them. And they played like yeah. Uh, it was such a massive turnaround and they played they said that they played their uh, their B team against Australia in South Africa and had a great dominant win. We're going to New Zealand with our A team. Look what happens here and yeah, they just capitulated. But this is this so this is the interesting one for me. They sent their A team, but a chunk of their A team are currently playing in Japan. Does Japan make you rubbish? Yes. But Coxie, dead air is the worst thing. We're both know, looking was, at you. That was bad, wasn't it? That was Sarah Cox's media training kicking in. Whereas I don't have a filter, so I don't know. So, 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 so for, the, for the unadulterated, in Japan, there's huge money getting paid and you're invariably employed by a business, but some of the people within that team might be photocopy repairmen or, or plumbers or whatever it may be. They're, not, they're, they're training full-time during the period of the, the season, but it's very brief. Well, that's because photocopiers don't fix themselves, Chris. That's very true, Ian. But nonetheless, you've got some of the greatest rugby players of a generation playing with not the best players around them, and therefore has their standard dropped? And it would appear, looking at the South Africans, very simply, perhaps it has. That was the question. Um, look, we're in a funny time with rugby, aren't we? And funny time with money in rugby, and it looks like the, the Japanese league has a, a fairly sizable price tag attached to it. So, you know, I, I guess that's that's maybe the, the incentive to, to be out there. Um, is that right? I don't know. Probably not. Is that the way the world is currently? Probably. Um, so I, I think quality of rugby, there, there probably needs to, to be almost a, a reconciliation of, of what we're trying to achieve. And you might see that by what's happening with some of the results of, of international teams. That that might be the push to say, actually, we we probably need to change this model a little bit. Yeah, look, the world is a very small place now with everything that we've got technology-wise. And I think there was a question that came in asking about the world being a small place, about Luke Karandicki not going to France. Mm. Staying here, what was that for? Oh yeah, well we'll come to that in a moment because we are still on the field. Um, and what I would like to say, I think we've been with the Southern Hemisphere tests, but on the field locally, there's a, there's a cracking couple of games of rugby coming up in August: Plymouth versus Pirates, and then Plymouth versus Pirates again. Nineteenth of the nineteenth of the August, nineteenth of August at the Menet, and then the twenty sixth of August at the Brickfields. That's now, my birthday, the twenty sixth of August. The interesting thing with these games is the Pirates are going to be playing um, under the existing rules of rugby union, whereas Plymouth are going to have to play with the lower tackle height. And I'm really keen to understand how these games are going to be officiated. Coxie, do you have any idea? No, I don't, actually. No, that's a really good point. I don't, I don't have... I've no idea how that's going to happen. No. And, no. And I've, see, I've seen they've announced this game because obviously the, the Pirates players, they're going to be running around knocking everyone's head off, whereas the Plymouth boys are all going to be tackling around the angles again. <laughs> Come on, guys, that's the rope. I don't know. I don't want to know. No, that's a really good point. We've got our um, annual conference coming up in August, so we might find out some, some more information then. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a really good point because you've got the you've got two worlds colliding there. Yeah. So. It's really started ramping up, though, the education. I'm probably getting weekly emails now with videos and uh, an education with pictures. Cheek, cheek, ring of steel. 
driver five. No, you know about how how you would actually start to look at officiating and what is and what isn't and what's deemed to be dangerous and high and. Having watched some of the French... I got so angry about this, then I've watched some French games on YouTube, and the referees just sort of let it go, really. As long as you're not taking someone's head off. we're not France, are we? No, but I get the feeling that most referees, they're going to apply a little bit of decorum about this and go, look, do you know what? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think we're, we're, we're getting very upset about something that is, is probably going to be a non... A non-topic by the time we get going. It may be. It may the French just go boff. They've got a Gallic shrug, haven't they? Mm. Whereas an English referee will stand in a queue and do things like that. So they will try and apply these laws. Okay. No, well, but not necessarily. I'm, not I'm, necessarily. I'm, I'm, I want to move us on from this anyway. What I would like to say is we just spoke about Plymouth and Pirates playing some rugby. Local rugby is something we really want to feature on Two Locks and a Cox. If you are a local rugby club or you've got some good characters, email brad at radiox.co.uk either with stories or if you want to get involved, if you want to come on a phone in, if you want to fire questions in brad at radiox.co.uk for all of your local rugby news on two locks and a cox two locks and a cox from Devon's radio x moving on off field we'll put something on there um rugby union marketing itself we sort of got into the marketing of the game and we're saying how, how the women's game is specifically doing really well the women's game has gone from the ap15s to the pwr yes it has yeah and what a what a way to rebrand it um, what, do, what do they both stand for Premiership Women's Rugby. Oh, so AP15s um, was the... Allianz Premier. Allianz Premier 15. And now, and now we've moved to the PWR. Yeah, yeah, we have. Um, and I think that's a, a very good step forward. Um, it's got its own brand identity. Um, it's quite similar to, to other brands that are, are out there as well. Um, and I think it just brings it nicely in line with what we want to try and achieve in the women's game. And it, it gives you that professional feel to it. It's, it's branded very well. More, more so than AP15. Yeah, no, look, it's 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 Premiership Rugby. Right. Let's face it. Like we we. Wait, but, we but this is this is a bit, great thing. Don't let it be Premiership Rugby is the men's game. We've now got PWR, so it's the, it's. I'm liking the fact that there's a differentiation. So, no, but the, but you've got women's Premier League yeah. football. Yeah. Um. It, it's it's about the it's it's about the quality of rugby, mm-hmm. and it's about the it's the highest level of English rugby for the female game. Same with it's the highest level I, I, of domestic rugby for the men's game. I'd, I'd say it's the highest level of domestic rugby. Full stop. Because because you've got the stars of all the nations are playing with it. Yeah, the stars. Yeah, but but you've also got that yeah out in France as well. They've got a very similar setup. Um, but yeah, by, by rebranding it, I think it, it brings it in line nicely with the, the quality of the rugby, the way that the game wants to go, the direction in which women's rugby globally is starting to go. I think it, it just it makes everything more professional and, and gives a, a really nice platform to, to leap forward. Okay. Um, well, with that, we're talking about the marketing of the game. How do you think the game... Because for me, Rugby Union at the moment, certainly the men's side is in real trouble. The women's is growing. But but what do we think about the general state of marketing Rugby Union? Ian? Oh, it, it, you've just given it a different name. I mean, but if it, if it helps brand it and do it all, then that's great. Um, uh, rugby doesn't have the budget to market itself that way. A World Cup's always a great year for everybody. Uh, I hope England do well because it will help with that whole marketing side of it. Down at, at club level, really difficult for all of them with their marketing across the board. The, 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 there isn't the money out there for sponsorship for these clubs to do things. I, I, I don't think... I just well, yeah, go on, let's dig into this because you're commercial commercial director at Exmouth Rugby. Commercial, Club. how's the how's the marketplace? I did in, not know this. How is the market? Sure. Yeah, how's the marketplace in Clubland?ing The marketplace in Clubland, it's tough. It's tough for everybody. Um, it's tough because the 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 clubs. Uh, one thing that's great is we're not travelling as far as we used to, so that becomes a lot easier. But 
players getting expenses, not getting paid, club players dragging players in from different areas, different clubs vying for who's going to be the big club of the area, especially around the bay, between sort of Torbay, uh, around Torbay, so Paynton, Torquay, Brixham, Newton Abbott. They're all fighting for the same pool of players. Also, you could say they're fighting for the same pool of sponsorship. But there's lots of people out there who rugby's still a great passion for them and their businesses want to align with the rugby club because it's not just about the rugby it delivers. Local rugby clubs are centres of of brilliance. They're community places. They're places where the children get involved, massive youth sections, all of that. And it's just a big community where actually everyone's fighting for the same thing, which is inclusivity. You're selling it well, mate. You're selling it well. Because this is, this is one of the things that, that fascinates me is we, we are getting a schism between the pro game and, and Clubland. Um, and, and I'm really keen to see how... Because the Premiership at the moment is battling. The, men, the men's Premiership is absolutely battling. It's, it's really under pressure. They're having to charge more and more money for less and less games and the players are wanting their huge sums of money and they deserve a million pound a game but but unfortunately if the people aren't coming you can't do it but it's interesting to see at Clubland how how it's similar sort of challenges whereas we used to see vibrant clubs going down to fourth and fifth teams most clubs now are running sort of first and seconds yeah exactly that and you only have to look at you know one big club that's not that far down the uh, the A30 that that was at the top of the championship for a very long time who are now down in national one mm, yeah true I know, I know a fair bit about that. So, um, yeah, so that, that was really interesting. If you can email brad at radiox.co.uk with your thoughts. We are looking at rugby, but we have a bias towards the southwest, so we want to hear from you. Your thoughts, your challenges, any input you've got. Next bit. Every week, it would appear on this podcast, we have to celebrate Dame Sarah Cox MBE. And the most recent celebration for Coxie is that she is now the most capped female rugby official of all time. How did you find out about that, Coxie? About an hour before kickoff, and the Twitter, <laughs> my Twitter lit up. Honestly, you're so humble. <laughs> uh, over who? Uh, Claire Daniels, Claire, I believe. Claire Daniels, yep. it was, yeah. Yeah, um, which I didn't know. I, I, I do keep track of, of how many games I've done, but that's as far as it goes. And I had no idea what anyone else was up to and that I was about to overtake her. I thought I had a long way to go. How many have you got then? Uh, well, I've got 35, mm-hmm. which in, in the women's game, again, is that that's quite a lot because when when back along, we didn't have quite so many games. So it's only now in the last couple of years where it started to take off where you get multiple games in a year. Um, and you can see that, especially as well with the next season's coming, there, there are an abundance of games that we haven't seen before. So it's it's now getting slightly easier to, to get caps, but... Yeah, I, I think uh, yeah, it's for me to to hold on to that, I guess. I love that. Back <laughs> along. That's you, you proving, though, even though you don't talk with a West Country accent, that you are a good local bird. Oh, so I'm you, a good local bird. Back yeah. along. Back along. You, you, you can keep, so you can keep pushing on then and really push this record out there, but obviously you think somebody will be taking you on? In- Someone will most definitely overtake me, oh. um, and I would say that it will happen relatively soon. Did you, did you get anything? Did you give you a tie, a pin? No, no, I just got a Twitter tweet. Genuinely? <laughs> yeah. So the, as the most capped female official, there's no like, well done, here's a plaque? No, just, no. She got the warmth and glow knowing that she's achieved it through her hard work. Yes. You told me this earlier. How do you spell success, Chris? W-O-R-K. Exactly that, and that's oh, yeah. what she's got. No, no, um, no. I, I lied to you. Um, after I finished my game over in the pack four, the girls came into pack the change four. room um, and they presented me with a shirt that they'd all signed, a match ball that they'd all signed, and a pin as well. Which um, game was that? 
That was uh, Australia, Canada. So they, which shirt did they give you, Australia or Canada? No, they gave Canada, me the shirt Canada, that I was refereeing. Canadian. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. that's really nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, as an aside, my last ever game of professional rugby, Andrew Small, the referee, gave me his shirt. He said it's a tradition in New Zealand that if you play your last game, the ref gives their shirt to the player. Wow. I thought that was really kind of That is nice. I like Smalley. Smalley's a really nice bloke. He is amazing. We actually Um, need to get him on here. Defo. I love Smalley. The the, the crazy thing was, when I was 1999, when I was playing um, as a young kid in New Zealand, he actually refereed me and didn't realise. For Oriol Rongatai, who just played the Jubilee Cup final. Once an Ori, always an Ori. That's one of my many clubs. I'm just still slightly reeling about you used the word defo. What, what's wrong with that? It's just it's, it's not you, Chris. Okay, sorry. All right. Well, let's move. Let's let's move on to signings uh, and the very interesting situation where Anthony Watson has signed a central contract with the English National Union. Is this the future for rugby union in England? No. How in one term and one whole year can you go? We've got no money. We can't do anything cutting all the budgets from everything and everywhere, then all of a sudden, didding, something pops up that suits them and they find a budget from somewhere to sign Anthony Watson on this central contract. Yeah, I, I think there's a bit of brinkmanship because I've, I've since read from that that they contracted him through the period of the, the Rugby World Cup and then he'll be a free agent after that and Leicester have already said they're favourites to re-sign him. So they've probably just said, right, we're going to offset him from our salary cap this, 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 this is the Machiavellian way the rugby union works. We'll offset him from our salary cap. England will contract him through the World Cup. And after the World Cup, we'll re-sign him and it'll be less on our salary cap credits. Would this have been anything to do with um, Borswick having been Leicester coach and those things? Or is that a little bit... I know Coxie's I, now giving me like death stares because she can't say anything about this. Coxie's just saying the RFU are amazing. And I love she did. But, <laughs> they I mean, are my employer, yes. And they're your employer. But, and, yeah. I, I, I'm, I think there's, but on the flip... Clubs are, clubs are really struggling financially and if you could send, very much like cricket, if you centrally contract a chunk of players to England, then salary salary cap expectations can go down through Well, the... they do they do in the women's game. Yeah. They, they centrally contract all the, the female players and we've seen that recently. I, why, why wouldn't that work? You have far more control over the players. You, you have far more control over the, the rugby that they're playing. And yeah, okay, for the clubs, that, that might look slightly different. But for, for the women's game, that seems to be working very well. So why couldn't you take lessons from the women uh, but, but and take the, it into the men's because the women's game is still embryonic it's still growing it's still finding what it is whereas the men's game you've got a club like Leicester Tigers they would argue that, that they have so much cachet they need to have the players associated with them not with England and this is this is this is where rugby union is in such a really fascinating place because I don't know where it's going to go I don't know what's going to happen the clubs are struggling yeah. we've seen union... one happen so far yeah. so but, one but, swallow doesn't make a summer however is but, this but the parent union has the power you know ultimately all, most of the money is generated by England internationals at Twickenham and yeah. the sponsorship around that and that, that filters back into the clubs so the RFU are now flexing their muscles what, they should have done it 26 years ago when the game went pro but they didn't and now they're trying to flex it back although they're struggling I'm so keen to see how this all plays you out you are fascinated I, like, by this genuinely this yeah. for me the business, the business of rugby I'm like I'm, I'm so keen to see where this goes and, and, and perhaps you know, I, I could see Rowie, prime example Tony Rowe ex the Chiefs going right um, Henry Slade I want England to contract him but he stays with me uh, and offsets like a chunk of his salary. Was that your Tony Rowe voice? That was my Tony Rowe voice, yeah. Isn't it's that it was almost like Tony Rowe was in the room with us, <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Cheers, Tony. Isn't the that talks is, that Slady's like, moving on? Um, as far as I'm aware, no. No, uh, this is... And uh, I was going to talk about this earlier, we didn't get it in. Uh, whilst there's no rugby on, the other journalists who then are basically unemployed because there's not a lot of rugby on, they... Um, all they're wanting to do is come up with sensational headlines and make something out of nothing. Mm. So Henry Slade's selling his house... 
So all of a sudden, that means he's going to move out. He's in the contract for another year. He's that, so he's he's staying. He's Have around. Have fallen here. into that that but media you've black fallen hole? Into yeah, media Look, between, oh, between me and the gatepost, I might know that while Henry Slade's getting picked for England, he's staying in England. Yeah, oh, no, no, I, I don't think there's a conversation necessarily but, about him moving out of England. No. I just saw a headline that he potentially yeah. is moving away Sensationalising something from nothing because they've got nothing else to talk about. They're doing all sorts of stuff about everyone being bankrupt as well and no having any money and players doing this, players doing that. Mm. It's just stuff to feed their fire when there's not okay. enough wood around. Yeah, okay, all right, fair that is. Okay, well, that, that, well, that's the central contract. And then obviously, with regards to signings, um, the, the PWR, See, I'm already on brand. Um, there's been there's been some interesting signings there. The, the Sale Sharks were going berserk about signing some Italian girl. Yeah, and she's a very good player as is well. She? Yeah, I, I think she should have come over a long time ago. Um, uh, but what is the what is the go with because the, the PWR the, the, uh, there's a lot of players from other unions coming across to the UK. Is it are there unions subsidising this? Uh, not as far as I'm aware, but I don't know the the full behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just by virtue of the fact it's a very good quality league mm -hmm. that they want to move over. Um, you're also seeing some some signings happening over in France as well. That they have got a very similar setup, um, and I think. Women oh, now. I'm, I'm unaware of this. So the French having a go with their women's league as well. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Right. Um, and it was, I think it was Bordeaux that won this season, just gone. Um, and they're pumping a bit of money in there. Um, doing classic French, they're, they're pumping a bit of money into the whole thing, and I think it's working really well. Um, mm. you can see that by what they're producing at their international level. Um, but I, th I think women now are looking to play good quality rugby. And if you're not getting that in your home union, which some unions can't do that, um, then you you seek it elsewhere. And that's where you're seeing AP15s come into its its own... Uh, PWR, please. Can't P sorry, PWR. Brand, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. I should know that. We're on brand. You need to be as well now. I do now. need yeah. to be. Sorry, yeah. that was that was uh, a bad slip. But, um, Brad, yeah. don't edit it out. <laughs> leave, it, leave it in there Definitely. she's not perfect yeah. she may have an OBE MBE all the BEs the and realm. the most number of games but she still makes mistakes <laughs> I do I do I wish you knew even half of them anyway um, yeah I, I, I think people are looking for better quality rugby and it's happening in England so why not why okay. not when, well, when I'm, I'm, I'm gonna keep, I'll be keen to see how the French do then because they will start to try and pull them and, and obviously the Canadians being bilingual a fair few of them might go over there But no absolutely you, you are absolutely seeing that yeah. um, there are some Canadians that have gone over to the French league because they are bilingual um, and you're also seeing some players come over to, to the English um, league because they are also bilingual so I think it's again it's following quality rugby and yeah. because that's not globally available I think that that is why well, we're seeing a lot more movement. And I, I would contend that's where the women's game has got one on the men's because they're following quality rugby. Whereas men not go just to Japan cash. and just take loads of money. No, well, it's not. Well, yeah, exactly. But they're rugby players because it's a hobby that they can earn a living from and they love it. But also you take it back into your international and you can you can see the quality of players out on the rugby pitch that have been playing in these these types of leagues yeah. you can see a distinct difference and you know whilst the USA probably didn't do as well as they wanted to in the pack four you can still see the quality of player that's out there and like you mentioned with the, the likes of Kate Zachary mm. I mean Hope, Hope Rogers is a loose head prop she's the best loose head prop in the world Exactly, exactly. But I mean, she, she can scrummage and she can play ball. And, and yep. the thing is, whenever you say about a prop, are oh, they a really good ball player? Like, never say that about a prop unless they can scrummage. And she can scrummage. She can do it all. She true. can do it all. And you'd much rather have like Chris Budgeon who can't do anything but can scrummage like a superstar. <laughs>
<laughs> just, although he did have, he, he used to think he was a, a scrum half, and be like, "Budge, stop touching the rugby ball. You don't, you don't want to touch the ball. Just hit things." And push. Yeah. <laughs> interesting, yeah, an interesting human as well. You've chosen there, well done. Yeah, 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 well. yeah but that's what tight end props need to be like that. They do, and hookers. Yeah, well, hookers. They're all a little bit weird. Yeah, they are. You just need, you need mobile players, and you need players that can play with ball. And that that is what you're getting. As long as they can do their primary job. No, absolutely. But if they can do their primary job plus this, 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 and this, yeah. you are getting a better brand of rugby. If you are can only do your primary job, which there is no issue with, but it does it does shorten what you can then achieve elsewhere on the pitch. And I think rugby is now looking for hybrid players that can move about. They're mobile. They can run as fast as wingers. <laughs> Lou like. said prop will always be number one on the team sheet. Very true, very true. Oh, They're very important build, build for rowers. Anyway, we digress mine. again. He's third on the team sheet. Oh dear, <laughs> you got me again. That's twice in one episode. <laughs> All right, yeah, Rugby doors. Right, let's move on to our final segment of the day. In the bin! Um, and there's only one thing I want to throw in the bin, and that's the, um, the new layout for the men's premiership season, whereby by the second half of the season, some of the guys are going to have like three games in two months. Um, and, and when the game is struggling for cash if if they've lined it up so yes we've got all our star players for every game but literally through like um, April, May, June if a club has been knocked out of Europe they will probably have two home games anyone got any thoughts on that or are we just throwing it straight in the bin well so it goes straight in the bin but how many rugby games are there in June normally uh, well at the moment loads because the season's going to have to be late because we've got the Rugby World Cup and that, I think that's the point the, the whole season is late because of the Rugby World Cup. So mm. we've got to remember that. I, don't, I think th- this is only a, a, a weird time. Rugby World Cup years are always weird times. Um, I think what goes on in the future and the way that they plan it in the future, you'll probably see some changes. But it's quite, quite cool because like, the Chiefs are going to Jersey to mm-hmm. play over there. So there's some other games right oh, early on in the season yeah, that yeah. are different. Yeah. It's not a pre-season game. It's, it's, oh, it's the... It's the cup game. The bin juice cup. So they're getting... Yeah, well, called the bin juice. juice. There's some quality... Yeah, they're always called the bin juice. That'll be time in memorial. All of of my time in my my second stint at the Chiefs was in the bin juice. So it's the bin juice cup. Bin juice and fat club. The the Anglo Wells Cup, the LV Cup. (laughs) That's the bin juice cup. Yeah, Yeah, I was the king of that. Oh, I look. I, I think. I think. Did you win it once, Chris? We won it. Yeah, first team to ever win um, in the Premiership era was the A League. I cried. Ben White still rings me up and reminds me about it. I know, but but got the the, the championship clubs coming into it. So Jersey and the Pirates. I, I'll be and... honest. I'm excited for the championship clubs coming in to, to have a go at the Prem clubs. And 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 the only thing that upsets me now is that is that we've got TMOs and all this palaver because it used to be a chance to really have a set two. <laughs> Do you? Do you have TMOs? Uh, Is that being confirmed? I'm fairly confident they will have. <laughs> yeah, of course they will. Oh, and, and they'll have an opinion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just like yours. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, Ealing and Jersey especially, they're really going to have a go at this. You know, they, they, they were denied promotion to the Premiership so on, the Pirates. On, on the ground criteria. No, Pirates weren't good enough to be at the top of the league. No, OK. So that they're not necessarily going to fancy it as much. Uh, they're, they're a few years off possibly getting their stadium, which I still struggle to see happening. But that's just my opinion. Um, they're moving to Truro, to this football stadium together. Well, they've been moving there for since... It's, it's happening. Yeah, it's I been, saw it in it's the been news. Ha- it's been happening for a while. Um, <laughs> but... Um, it's interesting to see that the, the teams at the top of the champ are going to have a go at Premiership teams when they're shorn of their internationals, and I can see some big upsets coming off. Yeah, well, so I just should. want to go to Jersey. I'm taking a canoe, so anyone else who wants to paddle a canoe with me will go to Jersey and have a are nice talk. Serious? No, but I would, I would do that if anyone's got a canoe and we can paddle over there. It'd be great. No, you, you and I are going to paddle from Barcelona to Ibiza. We are. That's next year. Ne- no, year two after years, next, two years exactly. Time, that, which yeah. is ridiculous. I could fly us. 
No, no, the whole point is we do it because it's hard, not because okay. it's easy. Does that to go left, not right? Exactly. Well, you always go left when you're the pilot, yeah. Oh, dear me. Oh, right. Good God. Well, this I think, is I think terrible. we've descended into nothing now. So, we look, have. Two locks and a cox. Uh, is there any other business? Ian, is there anything else you'd like to bring up? No. Sarah, is there anything else you'd like to bring up? No, I think this has been painful enough listening. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> that's a great way to finish this one. We will be back, all being well, in a few weeks' time to look forward to the beginning of the season. Uh, to, to preview again some of the World Cup that's going on and everything else rugby we want to hear from you brad at radiox.co.uk thoughts ruminations or inspirational conversation or if you've got someone that you think would be good on this pod as a guest let us know other than that it's been Two Locks and a Cox and we'll see you soon Two Locks and a Cox from Devon's Radio X